I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. President Biden is on his way to Los Angeles to meet leaders from North, South, and Central America. What's happening behind the scenes? What's happening behind the headlines? How is this going to impact U.S. relationships with critical allies? Will this be a summit of substance or will it be another summit with lots of photo ops and a lot said but very little done? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We're very pleased to have joining us on the program today, Nahal Tusi, the senior correspondent for foreign affairs and national security at Politico. Great piece today. Obviously, the president is focused on the Summit of the Americas in Los Angeles. And Nahal, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, so give us a little perspective. Uh, this is the first time that the U.S. has uh, hosted this since it's uh, inaugural back in uh, 1994. But give us a little perspective in terms of what this has looked like over the years uh, and how this year is shaping up. Yeah, so it began in 94, it was held in Miami, and it was kind of, it was held at, at a time when democracy was really on the march in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, and it, it's held every three years, um, and different countries hosted at different times. Generally speaking, the U.S. has largely, like, wanted Cuba to be frozen out of it, and that has often been the case. And this time around, this is, uh, the pandemic delayed this uh, year's uh, summit by by one year, but now the U.S. hosting it again, and it's at a time when democracy is kind of on the back foot a bit, uh, not only in the United States, arguably, but also through much of South America um, and, and other parts of the Western Hemisphere. And so uh, this time, President Biden uh, is wanting uh, Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua not to be invited. And that, as usual, you know, has really upset many other people in the hemisphere because they say, like, look, you know, this this isn't like the summit where America gets to invite whoever it wants. This is the summit for the Americas, and, and everybody should be at the table. And if, if you want Cuba there to criticize them, you can do that, too. Uh, and so as a result of that, some top leaders, including the leader of Mexico, are refusing to attend because these three countries were left out. Yeah, and so as we uh, look at that, what is it that the uh, the president, I know there's been criticism in terms of what is and isn't on the agenda, the resources or the focus from the administration. We've heard today uh, that the president will lay out some sort of framework for a, or a blueprint for some sort of plan. What are you hearing there? Yeah, uh, what a lot of uh, Latin American leaders want are trade deals. They want bilateral trade deals with the United States. Uh, but obviously, our domestic politics right now do not really allow for that sort of a deal to happen. So instead, President Biden is offering economic frameworks. Uh, and this is basically the idea that you can come to um, agreements or kind of, you know, advice sharing, that sort of thing about things like how to uh, improve your supply line stability, uh, how to uh, bring back some of the manufacturing and things that you might have sent offshore 
uh, this is like about this idea that we will work on various areas. Um, you know, you can throw health safety under that to a certain extent. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll commit to doing this if you'll work with us. It has to be kind of participatory, right? It's better than nothing, I guess, is what, what a lot of folks say, but it's really not what people want, which is hardcore, serious trade deals uh, that can lead to what people say will be more prosperity and, as a result, less migration, which is another thing that, you know, the U.S. constantly deals with uh, on a frustrating basis because, you know, when it comes to Latin American migration across uh, the southern border of the United States. Yeah, I think that's uh, such a, an interesting thing. And I, I love this way you've you've framed this, Nahal, in terms of democracy on the march versus democracy kind of on the, the back foot. And uh, it, it is interesting to me that it, I think in terms of our own foreign policy for so long, we've, we've sort of dumped money into a lot of these places, propping up little democracies. Uh, but it seems to me that the the absence of the support structure for entrepreneurs is really kind of the the problem. Is there anything in any of these uh, frameworks that the president is laying out that is going to help those governments in those countries have systems or or get rid of corruption to the point that uh, people do feel like they have an opportunity in their own country, that they can be entrepreneurs or have upward mobility? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're seeing some initiatives that the vice president and others are laying out, like saying they're going to try to get the private sector to invest more in, say, Central America, trying to boost uh, women entrepreneurs, that sort of thing. Again, you know, observers will say none of these are bad things, although a lot of them are not necessarily reliable. Like you can't necessarily guarantee that any of these or many of these things will ultimately work out uh, the way you could a a trade pact. But it's one of those areas where, you know, when it comes to democracy in these countries, like a lot of factors are eating away. And it's not just poverty. It's it's also the corruption. Uh, And it's also just... Uh, like a lack of longstanding democratic tradition sometimes, you know, sometimes you just got to have to, to get better at it. You have to constantly do it. And sometimes these things fall apart. Mm. Um, I'm not, believe me, I'm not a Latin America expert. I don't even pretend to be, but one of the countries that's not getting nearly enough attention and it should right now is Peru, which has had five presidents in the past five years. And I mean, I think he's gone through something like 46 cabinet members. He's already faced two impeachment attempts as the newest president. It is crazy. It's like democracy overload in Peru. And, you know, sometimes people look at things like that and they think maybe the system isn't that great if nothing ever gets done. Uh, So fascinating. Really interesting. One of the other things you pointed out in your uh, piece on Politico today uh, was uh, looking at kind of the the China component to all of this, that China is kind of looking on and uh, looking at this. Give us some perspective there. Yeah, the Chinese have really dramatically stepped up their investment in Latin America And what they often do is they come with no strings attached. Like they'll say, look, we'll have a trade deal with you uh, and we're not going to interfere when it comes to human rights the way the United States will. Uh, We're not going to lecture you. Now, of course, you know, it's not like it's no strings attached with the Chinese. They, you know, they they want to have a certain level of control and other things over any project that they do. And sometimes countries that have gone into business with China have really regretted it. Uh, But when it comes to a country that's offering you something, China, a lot of Latin American leaders say, it's like, look, these guys are, are here to play. You know, somebody was telling me last night, like the Chinese embassies, the Chinese embassies are there to make deals. And that's not what the U.S. embassies really do. And so it's, it's like we're being outflanked on that. And the Chinese are very much enjoying the discomfort 
uh, that the Mexican leader and others who are not showing up to this summit are causing for the United States. Their spokesman has been, um, the Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesman has been very much making fun of the United States the last few weeks over this summit. Yeah. Anything else that we should be watching for as this plays out over the next few days? You know, a lot of this pre-summit stuff is often theatrics, right? You have people kind of complaining, saying, oh, I'm not going to come. And then the last minute they come. And a lot of times the Biden administration, they have this habit of not showing their cards early. And so I think there's a strong possibility that at the end of the day, Biden goes in, makes some announcements that actually are impressive. And does stuff, you know, behind the scenes, he's very good at behind the scenes, uh, that does have a long-term impact and which is good. So I would not, you know, write this off as a failure or anything. It's it's the type of thing that over time could end up to be um, a successful summit. Absolutely. Great perspective, as always. Nahal Tutsi is the Senior Correspondent for Foreign Affairs and National Security at Politico. Nahal, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So it is the summit of the Americas. We'll be watching closely to see what the president rolls out a little later on today. It should be about 4 p.m. Salt Lake time. And uh, he'll roll out some framework uh, for a few things. And again, the question will be, does it move the cause forward? Uh, I think it's interesting to look at where democracy is. Is it on the march or is it on the back foot? Uh, What are some of these countries doing? And how does the U.S. actually be helpful in that process? Uh, This will be an interesting conversation, interesting discussion. We'll continue to watch it. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.